Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about different aspects of what we believe. We've made the point that if we don't have an I believe, then we will have what they believe. And so it's critically important that all of us grasp the belief of, of Christianity, the understanding of what Christianity is meant to stand for. And we've talked about the Bible and its authority and, and its uh, authority over our lives and authority to guide and direct our steps. We've talked about God the Father, who is the best Father you could ever imagine and the only one that we can ever embrace that will love us unconditionally. We've talked about God the Son, Jesus, who died on the cross, who gave his life for us so that you and I could have eternal life, salvation. We've talked about God the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the very fact that he lives in us, that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit and that that Holy Spirit, he who lives in us, is wanting to live out of us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about sin and its awful, awful impact on our lives. And today I want to talk about grace. Because I hope you didn't live a guilted life over the last week. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't live with guilt and shame and all that kind of stuff. But the, the reality of sin is exactly what we have to deal with. And the very reason Jesus came to this world. Not because of our sin, but because he loves us. And sin was the one thing that was keeping our relationship going with him. And so Jesus came to die and give his life so that you and I could have our sins forgiven and the promise of eternal life and a relationship with him, which is what we call salvation, which is an amazing experience all by itself, just realizing that all of our sin is gone, every mistake you've made, every mistake I've made, if we've put our faith in God, that he has completely 100% forgiven us. Those sins are gone. They don't exist. I could only stand here today by the grace of God, because my sins are forgiven. Otherwise, I'd be up here in a melted mush of goo, of guilt and shame and not feeling any right or any opportunity or reason to be up here talking to you about God. So today we're going to talk about grace. Grace. It's one of the hardest things to embrace, one of the hardest things to grab a hold of, it's one of those things that if you've been in faith or religion for a while, you may have already been told that you have a responsibility to live a certain way so that God will love you or so that God won't be displeased with you or so that you can achieve something great in your life. If you just behave a certain way, then God will bless you. The truth is, is that uh, none of us can behave so good that we can remove our own sin, that we can earn our way into eternal life, or that we can have a relationship with God with the exception of grace. It's the only thing that makes sense of the whole thing. Because if you and I try to do everything we can to live good enough, we will always feel that sense of failure. And I'm sorry to bring that to light, but it's true. I mean, maybe you've lived, I, I remember when I first became a Christian and I could not 
live right. And I lived in this Christianity world growing up that said that if you mess up, and I've talked about this before, but if you mess up, you're going to go to hell. Unless you right then repent and right then get right and right then be everything that God wants you to be. And, and I lived under this guilt and shame and at the same time I sinned. And it was, it was challenging. When I, right after I became a Christian, I had all this opportunity to sin. And I took the enemy up on it. And I lived in sin. And I got to that point where I was so frustrated that I couldn't please God that I got to a point where I said, if I can't please God, then there's no reason to live at all. And I went to my pastor and I said, hey, I am, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm messed up. I mess up. I mess up all the time. I can't get away from my mess up. And so I am deciding, I, I don't think I want to live. And he said, Ricardo, you misunderstand what graces you misunderstand that you have you live under this umbrella of grace and it's it forgives you of your sin and it takes your sin away and there's ways to get stronger and stronger inside so that the outside doesn't doesn't can't penetrate but you're in a growth process so don't give up on your faith just Rely on God's grace. It doesn't give you permission to sin, but it's there when you do sin. It's really hard to understand, isn't it? Especially if you've lived up in that religious world where it's like, man, you just get beat down if you make a mistake. Well, here's our creed. Here's our creed for uh, Journey Church. It says, I believe we are saved by grace. Amen? Amen. I believe we are saved by grace an undeserved free gift provided by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's it. My works, my works, the things I do are an expression of my love and gratitude for grace and not an attempt to earn grace or salvation. That's our creed. That's our creed. Let's, let's read it again. You can read it silently in your head. I'll read it out loud. I believe we are saved by grace. An undeserved free gift provided by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. My works are an expression of my love and gratitude for grace and not an attempt to earn grace or salvation. Amen. That's what we believe. If somebody comes to you and says, you have to brush your teeth three times a day in order to be saved, what do you do? You look them in the face and say, you are so full of baloney. <laughs> Devil... Get away from me. I'll let my teeth rot before I try and earn my way to salvation. Did you hear what I just said? I'll let my teeth rot before I let someone tell me that I have to earn my way to salvation. It's so important to understand that concept and we'll get into it a little deeper. Now here's some um, opposite thinking about grace. It's the word entitlement. We live in a world today where entitlement is a real deal. I deserve, I need to get from, you need to give me, I've worked hard, or I think hard, or I just pretend that I work hard, and I should get paid for it. <laughs> or I should do nothing, and you should give me money. That's, kind of, that's what entitlement is. It's, it's just believing that you deserve something, even though you don't deserve it. It's believing that we should get instead of 
work for it or achieve it. And, and there's, there's an entitlement issue there that is, is one of those things that uh, is a bad deal. I deserve that. I deserve that is a dangerous uh, term used. And it's in the context of the opposite of grace. Mine. Two-year-olds get it right away. We were talking about sin nature the other day with some, some people in my life, and, and uh, I said, just look at a two-year-old, and you'll realize sin exists. <laughs> Those little guys, man, they get their own way. They, the only thing they can think of is, is themselves. And I'm not saying the devil is in them. I'm just saying that the devil has influence there, okay? <laughs> you owe me. That's another idea of the opposite of grace. You owe me. I did something and you need to pay me for it. And the most dangerous way of thinking about grace is I earned that. I earned that. I earned my way to heaven. I earned my, I should receive grace from God because God, I do so much for him. That's a very dangerous way to think. It's a very dangerous way to think. And so the problem with grace is simply this, is that it's hard to believe and it's hard to receive, especially if you're humble enough to realize that you're a sinner. It's hard to receive because, man, I don't deserve grace. I don't deserve this thing that comes when Jesus says he loves me and he's willing to die on a cross and he's willing to go to, uh, to the extent that he goes to to show me that he loves me and cares about me. But not only that, is willing to wipe out all the things that I've done to offend him and not expect anything back from me except my love. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. You would look at that person and go, I'm, I'm a bad investment. You would say, I'm a bad investment because I'm just not good. I'm not, I, I'm not good enough. But God says, here, here's a free gift. Here's my love. Here's my compassion for you. Here's my reason for dying on a cross is because I love you and care about you more than anything you can imagine. That's hard to receive. I like what this one author said. He said this, he's, he said, men do not fall from grace by sinning, but by putting the law in the place of grace. Listen to that again. Men do not fall from grace by sinning, but by putting the law in place of grace. That's a very, very powerful statement. If we will understand that we cannot earn it, we cannot achieve it, we cannot do anything but receive it. It's a gift. It's a gift. Some facts that we need to realize about grace, and I wish we could have enough time to explain everything here, but I'm just going to go through these quickly. Understanding that grace is free, it's not cheap. It is free, but it didn't come cheap. It's like somebody saying, hey, it's bobblehead night at, at Dodger Stadium. And you go and you get a free bobblehead. And I'm like, I got this for free. No, somebody paid for that. You just got it with no cost. Big difference. Some bank that wants their name on the, on the board paid for all these bobbleheads, thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you get the benefit of the bobblehead. Now, that's a very poor example in comparison to the salvation we get. Okay? But, but that's how it works. It's free, but it didn't come cheap. 
It's not fair. This is probably the one most important thing we can embrace about grace. It's not fair. If you're one of those fairness people, and you're like, hey, that person is an ugly, ugly sinner. <laughs> I shouldn't have to do any, I mean, they, how can we get the same thing? How come, why do I need grace when they really need grace? One of the big things, and, and I don't know, there's a lot of stuff around this, but Ted Bundy, remember the, the serial killer? It was popular at the time that James Dobson focused on the family guy, big Christian um, icon, iconic individual, went to meet with Ted Bundy, and apparently James Dobson was able to lead Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy to the Lord. If that happened, and, and there's some controversy around all that, but um, mostly because we just can't accept the fact that God would forgive a Ted Bundy, he gets the same salvation you and I do. Grace isn't fair. It's because love isn't, doesn't measure by the, by the amount of sin. It's, it's measured by the sacrifice that was made for sin. And there's only one person that measures that, and that's Jesus. Grace isn't fair. You, you look at other people and you go, hey, you know, they don't deserve. Well, none of us do. Well, they're worse than I am. Well, just the fact that you said that kind of puts you in a pretty bad category. Galatians, uh, here's a couple other facts about grace. It's undeserved, or it wouldn't be grace at all. If you deserved it, that means you earned it. It's not grace. It's a paycheck. We are saved by it as long as faith accompanies it. We're only saved by grace through faith. And we'll read that scripture in just a little bit. But we're only saved by grace through faith. That means that faith has to, this idea that we believe in what Jesus did on the cross. And if we don't believe in that, we don't understand that, we don't grasp that, then it's hard to receive grace. It's easier to try and earn it. That's why religion is so popular is because people think, okay, I'll just do to be good enough. And that's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. The only way to be saved is by grace through faith. Faith in Jesus Christ and the work he did on the cross. And last, its only motivation is love. God's grace is given because he loves us, not for any other reason, not for any other reason. Galatians 5.2 says this, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. This is going back to that statement that says men do not fall from grace by sinning, but by putting the law in place of grace. He says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You are trying to be justified by the law. You who are, being, uh, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So any attempt... To try and earn grace nullifies grace completely. Nullifies the work of Christ in our lives because there is no way 
to achieve it. One ounce of effort to pay for it eliminates it. This is so good. It's so freeing. It's so, it's, it's so powerful in, in that you and I no longer have to go, oh, I have to do this so that God will be pleased with me or that he will love me or that he will share his grace with me. No, there is no earning it. There is no achieving it. The only thing that we do now is we express our love back to him. Our love goes back to him. One of the biggest insults to anyone giving you a gift is the offer to pay for it. Isn't it? I mean, if you're at Christmas and you bring a hundred bucks with you just in case you need to pay for the gifts that you get. Mom, Dad, thank you so much. Here's 50 bucks for that car that you got me. Thank you so much. It's no longer a gift. It's no, it, you make it weird. Right? I mean, thank you so much. Let me pay for that. Let me pay you for it. Let me give you that. Yeah. When people are offering gifts, the the biggest offense is going, let me pay for that. And I realize there's some appropriate ways to, you know, understand that maybe there's a time to share in the expense or something. But when there's a gift, there's a gift, right? You You can turn a gift into a weirdness experience and try and earn it or pay for it. But then it gets super weird. And it's not where it should be. Can you imagine God just going, oh, why do they keep offering to pay for this gift that I've given them? Now, the best thing you could do is turn around to somebody who gives you a gift and go, oh, I love you. <laughs> Give them a big old bear hug, love on them, and just never let go. And they, then that gets weird. <clears throat> but there's got to be this expression with, that comes out of the, the appreciation for the gift. And that's the difference. That's the difference when our works become worship instead of our works become an effort to earn. It's really powerful. Grace turns that all around. And, and, and the reality is we have to understand that grace is how God has loved us. He's given us an amazing gift that frees us up to love him freely. Instead of trying to go, okay, I gotta, I gotta pull my wallet out every time I get next to God because I gotta pay for this gift that He's given me. Doesn't work that way. Psalm 86, 15 says, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. His nature is graciousness. His nature is to be gracious, not to expect anything back, but to give freely, even if we don't deserve it even if we don't deserve it. That's how powerful it is. Now, this grace was achieved through a huge sacrifice. This grace was given to us, this grace of salvation, salvation through faith, was given to us through sacrifice. Romans 3.20 says this, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Again, going back to law, there's no way to achieve it, Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Okay, if you didn't know, ever know anything about greed, but all of a sudden I said greed's bad, and you understand that greed is wanting something um, so bad that you're willing to do anything to get it, and you're willing to, to sacrifice your morals and your, all that, and all of a sudden you realize, oh man, I'm a greedy person. 
Okay, so the, you, we can tell you what a, a, a law or a right or a wrong thing is, and then it becomes sin once you realize that you're not that. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The law and the prophets were always telling us Jesus is coming, God loves us, grace is there, we can accept forgiveness through the sacrifice. And then in verse 22, the powerful passage happens. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. This righteousness, this, this holiness, it's not achieved through the law, it's achieved through the work that Jesus did. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. How did we receive this grace? It came through Jesus. Now this is super powerful because if we believe that it comes by any other way, it turns into religion. But if we believe that it comes through Jesus Christ, it turns into a relationship. And it's really, really cool because it came through him. It came through the sinless life that he lived. It came through the scourging that he went through as he was up on the, on the, on the post and the whip was scraping across his back 39 times and the, the layers of skin was being peeled off and the blood was starting to flow down and each flinch and each hurt was a, a representation of the forgiveness of our sins. It happened because the cross, when Jesus was hanging up there, he was there as a representative of his love for us. It happened because he felt the separation from God when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was at that point that I believe he took the sin of the world upon himself and God could not any longer look on him. The battle from the grave. It's believed that while he was in that tomb for three days, he went down into hell and did some battling of his own to take away the keys of hell in the grave. And three days later, he came up from that grave. And he defeated death, hell, and the grave. He came up from that grave and, and all authority became his over everything that defeats you and me. And that power rests in us. That power lives in us. That grace was given to you and me so that we could have life and life abundantly. And I love it. I love it. Grace is not cheap, but it is free. Grace is not cheap, but it is free. That's grace. So why do we believe? Why do we believe in the salvation by grace? Because only God's love would extend such a gift. That's why. All these other things is what about grace? But why do we believe? Because only God's love would extend such a gift to us. In verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Because of his great love for us, God, who, in his, who, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Listen to it again. But because of his great love for us, because of his great love, not, not, not because of this, this uh, guilt thing that we need to overcome, but because he wants a relationship with you and me, not a religious one. He didn't want to just give us a list and say, here, do this and you'll show me your love and then I'll accept you. 
The Old Testament kind of seemed like that, but it really wasn't. If we took a, little, a, a deeper look into it, there, there was still a whole lot of forgiveness in the Old Testament. There was still a, lot of, a whole lot of grace in the sacrificial system. But in this context, it says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. Do you know what mercy is? It's, it's, the giving, it's, it's allowing us not to get what we deserve. Right? Mercy is saying, okay, you deserve to die, but I'm not going to make you die. In fact, I'm going to die for you. And then it says, who made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. This amazing grace. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And then a famous verse, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It can't be more clear. It can't be more clear. Only God's grace can be received by faith. It means that we have to believe in the work of the cross, in the life of Jesus. If we don't have faith in that, then there is no grace to receive because it's all of his work that completed the work that saves us. It's all of his work, not our work. This is something I had to struggle with. I still have to struggle with at times, even as a pastor, when I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to trust in God instead of trusting in Ricardo to make something happen. And, and trust me, I, I, I struggle with this to, to grow our church. I struggle with this to um, achieve great things in, our, in my life. I, I struggle with this because I believe that and, and I falsely believe that sometimes it's up to me to make things happen. And this is a hard one to, to practice because ultimately I just simply have to believe that it's up to God. I am to be obedient to him. I am to walk in step with him. But ultimately it's his power. It's his voice. It's everything that I need you to hear from him, not from me. Amen? Amen. And that's the truth for our salvation. We have to trust in the work that he did, not in our works. And when we do that, it frees us up. It frees us up. And that's why I believe grace is so important to the, the whole nature of the church is if we don't preach grace and if we don't, not a permissive grace that says, now go out and sin, but a grace that helps us understand that because we're sinners, we have been given an amazing gift of grace to help us love God instead of feel like we have to earn our way to heaven. Only God's grace can be received by faith. There's no boasting. You and I can't brag on it. What we're receiving is God's work, not our work. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. If I have to beg this out of you, I will. <laughs> we don't deserve God's grace because he gives it to it because he gives it to us regardless of our sin. I like what 1 Corinthians 15, 9 says. It says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. 
But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me, whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Now, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church, and he's basically saying, listen, guys, I am nothing. I'm an apostle, yeah, but I don't deserve to be one. In fact, if you look at Paul's life, and we were talking about this just before church, if you look at Paul's life, he was a murderer, a a serial killer in the name of God. He, he killed one of the first Christian martyrs, uh, Stephen. He was there holding the cloaks of those that were throwing the rocks at Stephen, and Stephen en- ends up dying for his faith. He was there at his beckoning. They threw the rocks. He was the killer of Christians, and God saved him. God saved him. Don't think for a moment that whatever you have done, God cannot save you. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, you are who you are because of what God has done in our lives. And what we must understand is that grace changes us. In verse 10, it says, But the grace of God, I am what, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. It, in other words, it had an impact on my life. If understanding grace doesn't change you, then you don't understand it completely yet. I, I, I think about my life and I think about what I've gone through and I think about what I did and sometimes even do to disappoint God. And I'm so humbled, so grateful for the cross. So amazed by that, that just the reality of the song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. Think about your life just for a minute. Reflect, take a moment. Swallow that pill that says, yeah, I do not deserve anything from God. But I get it freely from him. How powerful is that? How powerful is it to know that he loves you? Should change our days. Wake up without guilt and shame. Oh, only by the grace of God. To love others without an internal motive to gain, only by the grace of God. To be full of, uh, of his love and his freedom only by the grace of God. Yeah. To know that my works are an expression of worship instead of an expression of earning only by the grace of God. Yeah. To have our sins completely gone, never to be held against us ever again only by the grace of God. Yeah. Grace should define us. It should define who we are. Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Does it define you? Does it make you grateful? Are you 
a new person because of what God has released you from and what he's given us and his unending, unfailing, ever-giving love. Our creed says, I believe we are saved by grace. An undeserved free gift provided by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. My works are an expression of my love and gratitude for grace and not an attempt to earn grace or salvation. Church, I believe that it needs to become something that is so important. We should be more involved because of grace than less involved because of grace. I believe that our works should be an expression of worship. God, I cannot do enough to show you how much I love you. Not, not because we have to prove it. We're not trying to earn his love. That's been done, sealed, delivered. His cross is, the, that work is done. The resurrection, done. The offer up to you, done. Free gift, done. Now what? We get to sit around and just eat, drink, and be merry. Or whatever your name is. No. We should be the most engaged, involved people ever because of what he has done. And our, our works, our deeds, our efforts, our everything is on mission and appreciation for who God is. And to bring as many people along as we possibly can. If we're not doing that, we're missing it. Because now it's not works to be, uh, to, to be saved, it's works because we're saved. And that's the value of what God's bringing to our lives. So now what do we do? We stop trying and we start believing. We're not work, working, we're worshiping. Amen? We're not working for it. If you're working for it, you're, 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 you're living in the religion world, not in the relationship world. But if you're worshiping and you're giving and you're expressing your heart and your life and all through your deeds, then you're right on. You're in the right place doing the right thing. Let grace change you. Let's meditate on it. In just a moment, we're going to receive communion. And I believe this, this act is there to remind us of the grace of what God has brought us. Believe that you are lovable. I think many people... Just reject the idea that we can never be so loved that that grace would be offered to us. There's not a person in this room that God doesn't love. The Bible says that we can't be separated from it. We can never be separated. There's not a thing. There's not a power in this world, demons or anything, that could separate us from his love. And then act your faith, activate your faith in Jesus through your worship through the deeds that you do to love others and show others his love. When that happens, it, it completes the, the cycle and the circle of what God wants for us. And so today we're going to receive communion. I'm going to invite the band out. And this right here, as simple as these symbols are, a cracker and some juice, they represent the very nature of everything we've been talking about. An undeserved gift. A brutal sacrifice that was made for you and for me. Not because 
of the effort to try and make us feel guilty about our sin, but to remove it, to free us up, to give us life, to give us joy, to give us hope, to give us a, a, a reason to get excited about what God's doing. I don't know about you, but I'm overjoyed by the fact that God loves me. And these symbols show us that he loves us. These symbols show us about the amazing grace. These symbols are the key to everything that our salvation is and does for us. There's a passage of scripture that I'm going to read and, and it's broken up into two parts. But in Psalm chapter 51, King David made a big mistake. He had an affair. He had the husband of the, the person that he had the affair with uh, murdered. So David was an adulterer and a murderer. And then a prophet named Nathaniel comes along and says, Hey, David, you, you, you messed up. And David goes, You know, you're right. I totally messed up. I should have never done what I did. It was completely wrong. And he prayed this prayer. Because he was aware of his sin. And he said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Blot out the fact that I'm a murderer. Blot out the fact that I'm an adulterer. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Skip down to verse 10 and it says, Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. There's not a person in this room that couldn't receive God's grace today. He loves you. He loves you as much as you love David. He loves you as much as he loved Paul. He loves you as much as anybody else in this world because he created you. He loves you. He thinks you're amazing and he wants relationship with you. These symbols represent that very forgiveness, that very grace, that amazing grace that we all have an opportunity to receive today. Will you hold this cracker up and let's ask God to bless it as we remember what the sacrifice of his body. God, thank you so much for this cracker that represents your broken body, that represents your love for us, that represents the suffering and the, the, the challenge that you had to face so that we don't have to face it. Thank you for your grace. In this symbol alone, Lord, you show us your amazing grace, your amazing love, your amazing gift of salvation. Thank you so much. And we promise we will never forget what you've done for us. We receive this today with gratitude. We receive this today with humility. We receive this today knowing that we do not deserve your love, your grace, but we receive it today because you do love us and we want relationship with you. We thank you for it. We ask that you bless this symbol now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take the bread. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. As you carefully open that cup and see that juice, let's remember what 
that blood meant. It meant that we were forgiven of our sins, that we are forgiven of our sins. The Bible says that there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. And for that reason, God sent his son Jesus to die and to bleed so that you and I could have forgiveness of our sins. Lord, thank you so much for this symbol. When you bled in the garden as you prayed, when you were punched in the face, when those crown of thorns were pressed on your head, when the scourging and the whipping was happening and tearing your flesh off your back, when the nails were pounded into your hands and your feet, all of that caused you to shed the blood that would represent the forgiveness of our sins today. And we thank you so much that we stand righteous before you, not because of anything we've done, but because of everything you've done. We receive this grace today. We receive this love. We receive this gift. And we apologize for ever trying to earn it. And now today, God, we commit that we will only worship you with our deeds, with our actions, because we are so grateful, because we are so full of your love and grace. That all we can do is not try and earn it, but to express it to you and to others. And so, Lord, we thank you for this cup. We ask that you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may receive the cup. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We love you. We praise you. We give you thanks, God, for everything you've done for us. Thank you, God, for the grace, the amazing grace, the amazing grace of your salvation. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. One last thing, if there's anybody here that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you want one, you want, you've realized that the grace of God is available to you, today is the day where you can just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on a cross and that death provided me salvation. I believe that you were raised from the dead and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. If that's you, will you just pray the simple prayer after me? Lord, thank you so much for showing me your grace. I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And I pray that you would forgive me of my sin and I, I commit to repent of my sin, to turn away from it and walk closer and closer with you every day. And I believe that you were raised from the dead and today you promised me eternal life and I will spend forever with you. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.